We kicked off this fourth season of Mindful talking to Zoraida Dada, a psychologist in Alberta whose experiences as an activist in apartheid South Africa inform her practice today. Zoraida came to my attention because of her appearance on another podcast called Against the Tides of Racism, hosted by another psychologist in Alberta. So, to bring this season full circle, today I'll be speaking with Gina Coe, the host of Against the Tides of Racism. My name is Eric Bowman. I'm the communications specialist at the Canadian Psychological Association, and this is Mindful. There has been an increase in overt acts of racism over the past five or six years, and some horrific acts of violence have thrust the subject into the spotlight. In doing so, a lot of the racism that's been bubbling under the surface of our society for decades and even centuries has been exposed, leading it to be confronted and discussed. My guest today has started a podcast to do just that, confront and discuss both overt and systemic racism in an attempt to fight against the incoming tide. Hi everyone, I, I'm Gina Coe. I am a uh, registered psychologist in, in Alberta, Canada. Um, before I dive into who, you know, who I am, I'd like to acknowledge that I am in Calgary, Alberta, uh, Treaty 7 territory, um, and in southern Alberta, and this includes the Blackfoot First Nation tribes of Sisica, Pukanai, Kanai, Sony Nakoda First Nations, tribes of Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley, and the Sutina First Nation. And where I am in Calgary is homeland to the historic Northwest Métis and Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. So yes, I'm based in Calgary here. Uh, let me see where I start. <laughs> uh, so I have a private practice. My private practice is simply Gineco Psychological Services. Right now, Especially during this pandemic, I'm seeing more Asian clients and, and other racialized clients who are experiencing a lot of, you know, in terms of challenges and struggles, work-related stress. I see couples, I see, you know, people who are looking for uh, talking about who they are, their identity, uh, you know, layered with, of course, the pandemic isolation. Differences in values, you know, friendships who, in terms of my, my I vac I'm vaccinated, but my friend's not vaccinated. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of kind of those type of concerns. I love, love my work as a therapist. I'm so lucky I landed, um, you know, this, this world I'm in. And another part of my world is also I'm a podcast producer and host. So I uh, host a podcast named uh, Against the Tides of Racism. It's on Spotify, by the way. And my website is againstracismpodcast.com. And all my guests are quite diverse right now. Um, they are professionals, they're young people, and, and they're, they're people of color, they're racialized, you know, people who, who have faced racism and oppression. And each episode ends with some calls to action. And the listeners walk away with, oh, what can I individually do? Or as an organization, you know, what can we be more mindful of, right? How do we, how, how, how can I uh, be an anti-racist? Uh, uh, and how can I call myself an um, anti-oppressor? So This is how uh, I got to be introduced to you. Uh, it was because I had Zoraida Dada on this podcast. Uh, she kicked off our season four here on Mindful. And she told me that she'd been on your podcast as well. And that's how I discovered you. So we're going to put links to your podcast in the show notes for this one and uh, to your website. So people can go there and check out all the great work that you're doing. How did you get into this to begin with? Is it because you had so many clients who were more Asian racialized and experiencing these sort of things? And you thought, 
there's got to be another way to get this message out? Or is this a passion project that you've been working on for a long time? Uh, Eric, do you have 10 hours? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'd like to keep uh, this under an hour and a half. Yes. Yeah, I'm kidding. And, but, uh, before I, I say, I say that Zoraida is amazing. Yes, she's a guest on my podcast. So yeah, please listen to her episode. Okay, so um, I can start, you know, from the beginning a little bit, and then and then tell you about this idea of my podcast. Um, so I was born in Vietnam, and we, I, my family and I, came to Canada as refugees in the late seventies uh, as the Vietnamese boat people. And we identify as Chinese Canadian. I speak Cantonese at home. So, so growing up, you know, of course, um, not of course, but I did face, you know, microaggressions and overt racism, right? I, I was called something, a word such as chink. And, you know, even s disclosing that right now, I, I am intentional to, to say that word out loud because it was something I experienced and, and many Asians probably have experience in, in, in our country. Um, microaggressions include, oh, I thought you should be good at math, right? Or, or Asian, Asian women are bad drivers, or, or is that your real name? Is Gina your real name? So those are just some examples. So growing up, I, um, you know, because I didn't speak English right off the bat at home, I had to learn it in kindergarten in grade one. So I did fall behind in school. Like English was a hard language to learn for me. And then later in life, I really realized I love relationships. I love young people. And I became a, a public school teacher. I became a teacher okay. and I taught in, with the Calgary Board of Education and Little Red River Cree Nation in Al uh, northern Alberta. So my, I find that my most kind of uh, connected my, my time with students are, are, are the students that come to me with concerns related to culture, you know, sometimes intergenerational differences or cultural differences, you know, like I'm raised in Canada and, and my family, you know, we're from Asia, for example, you know, I'm not really allowed to go out and hang out with my friends because they value academics and in and, and school. So my young students would come to me and talk about things they struggle with, but also things they are really happy about. Like I made the school team, I made the volleyball team, or, you know, I I got a good mark in, you know, on this quiz, you know. So as a young teacher, I realized I actually really enjoy working one-on-one -on -one with students. So I became, I, I, I started my master's in counseling degree with Athabasca University in 2010. And I furthered my education. I became a psychologist. And then I did my PhD with the University of Calgary and finished in 2019 in educational leadership. Okay, so so that's kind of a little bit about more about me. <laughs> Great, yeah. <laughs> and then okay, podcast, podcast. Um, last year I was invited to present with a group called Act to End Racism. So it's a group started by Teresa Wupa, an amazing Asian Chinese woman, uh, former MLA, really strong and you know outspoken. And I just she's one of my mentors now. So she you know started this group, and I I talked about how to talk to young people about racism, right? Because mm -hmm. my children have come home, you know, when they were growing up and, and still today, like, for example, you know, my, my, my daughter was, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to use this, you know, like, she was called a Chinese bitch at school. And she didn't know what that meant. Like, she was really young, like, what is bitch? <laughs> Why? You know, so we started to talk about, you know, it's not a nice word. You know, sometimes people use those labels, and it is considered racism. Right? And I'm explaining mm -hmm. some of that to her. And we would have conversations. When, you know, when my children bring home some of these moments, you know, like, for example, they both have experienced peers pulling up their eyes and saying, oh, you Chinese, 
so things right. like that. And again, I pause, I drop everything and we talk about it. What, how, what, what it is it feel like, you know, are you okay? You know, and then we started to talk about how that's injustice. Why is a entire, you know, ethnic cultural group, you know, why would they, we hear, you know, these comments and these racial slurs, right? Anyhow, so my, my children are very much a part of my world. And I asked them about, is it important to talk about racism with young people? And they both said, absolutely, mom. We don't talk about racism. How is our world going to be a better place? How, how is it that people would know that it's wrong? And how is it that, you know, then people would not have these opportunities to talk about compassion, empathy, and kindness, right? So anyhow, after the presentation I gave, I just had this fierceness. This, this, you know, energy to, to do more, right? So, so Act to End Racism also um, uh, organized a, a peaceful protest where many ethnocultural groups and even, you know, um, the dominant groups would come out. They came out to Princess Island Park. It was a, a walk in standing in solidarity against anti-Asian racism. Mm-hmm. So I went to that. It was so touching. I, I remember the moment I looked around like, wow, there's so much good in this world. You know, people are supporting one another. So, yeah. And I always wanted to be a podcast host, Eric. And maybe I can ask yeah. you a little bit about what your experiences are like. But I know that I love working with my clients in therapy. You know, I, I love the interview process. So I thought, okay, podcast host uh, and my skills as a counseling psychologist, put them together and to tackle racism, something like racism, and also would help my clients, you know, listening to it with, with mental health as well. So that right. all came into, yeah, in Mar- April of last 2020. And my first episode aired May 1st with Dr. Gina Wong, who's also a psychologist. It's a huge topic to tackle as a podcast. And of course, there's a lot of people tackling this topic right now. Is the moment that we're in where there's a rise in anti-Asian hate, for example, as a result of the pandemic, one of the catalysts for starting this thing? Obviously, it's something you've dealt with your entire life, but it it does seem to be getting worse in the last two, three, even five years? Yeah, that's a very good question. Absolutely. You know, the heartbreaking, terrifying, awful thing that happened, you know, in Atlanta where six women were shot, right, in, 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 in different spas by white terrorists. Yeah, that was um, a moment where it's it's hard to talk about. It's hard. It's hard to go back to that time and realizing it's not safe. It's not safe for Asians, you know, not, not, not just, you know, Chinese people, people who look Chinese, people who look Asian, Southeast Asian, South Asians, right? And that, that was kind of one of the events amongst many, you know, there's also George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Black Lives Matter movement, and then, and then recently the unmarked, you know, uh, graves in, in, this, in the Indian residential schools, all of that. Um, have had me, you know, come together with, at the time, potential guests to talk about these topics, right? To talk about how has it been impactful in your life? What is, what are your experiences? What's your story? And what can be done, you know, even if it's small things or bigger things, right? So yes, and to reply to your question, absolutely. As we know, I'm not going to name this person, but this former leader of a big, you know, influential country would say stuff, likes the ch- calling the coronavirus a Chinese virus, you know, that absolutely doesn't help. And it's dangerous. 
damaging and you know lots more um aggression and violence have been committed against uh asians even after that one you know just that one comment but um yes so i i would i would say yes to your question and perhaps the silver lining though is that we are talking about it right we are we are having even the the opportunity here eric you know i'm able to share and about my experiences about how come this podcast so some some hopefully some good some difference would be made from these conversations now i wanted to ask you about the title of your podcast against the tides of racism i feel like that encapsulates the magnitude of the fight against racism right that it's a tide it's something so huge and so overwhelming, you know, and and when I spoke with Zoraida, who you've had on your podcast too, she said, every little thing that everybody does helps, right? Every little thing is a drop that can create a flood. And I'm assuming that this is one of the things that you're trying to do is create, you know, a counteraction to this tide that is coming at marginalized people every day. Is that mm-hmm. a, an accurate representation of why you chose that title? Oh, thank you for asking me about the title, Eric. <laughs> so years ago, I heard I heard this quote, against the currents, swimming against the currents, right? People right. who are marginalized or oppressed, you know, perhaps daily they're swimming against the currents. So with everything going on in this world and this pandemic, I thought, you know what, I, I like that. However, and I'm very, um, I love metaphors. I, I use metaphors in my practice with clients. You know, we'll talk about, oh, are you, do you feel like you're walking on eggshells? Is the balloon gonna pop? Or it's the snowball is getting bigger. Like these metaphors can be really powerful, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was, brainstorming lots and lots of different uh, titles and i was also asking my children actually and we landed on against the tides of racism and if you see the logo actually my daughter maya i'm going to give a shout out to maya she designed it with her ipad she drew the waves she uh the colors uh, we, we chose together you see two microphones right so so that's how the title came up with a lot of uh, it's about a week of thinking about it, and and then and my son and my yeah my, my Cohen Maya and I would uh, talk about it and landed on that title, and also just another shout out to my son. Sometimes the tech doesn't work. He comes into my room and he helps me with tech support. <laughs> so my children are really a big part of this too. <laughs> well, that's great. And and you mentioned that you started a lot of this talking to them, uh, to your own children, and then you gave a presentation how to speak to children about racism how much of your podcast uh is geared toward children it seems like the guests that you have on for the most part are adults who are experiencing something in an adult sort of way is that part of your podcast talking to children and giving advice for that sort of a conversation you know what i what my one hope actually my one dream is that pieces of my podcast would be used as an educational resource first for schools, right? It could be a, a clip, a clip of, for example, Dr. Michael Hart, who is an Indigenous scholar at the University of Calgary, his clip about racism as verb, right? It could be about, you know, Dr. Gina Wong's Asian Gold Ribbon campaign, like a clip about, you know, what that is about Asian pride. And, you know, so I think it's very suitable for secondary students. So grades, you know, even upper elementary, they can get some of these concepts, right? 
Right. So, yeah, that's actually one of my my goals later on is to have teachers use it for for teaching some of these concepts, like the model minority concept, or the perpetual foreigner, or um, you know the history of Canada, how the 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 railroad was built by you know by a lot of Chinese people, but really they we were treated really badly in unhealthy, unsafe conditions, you know, there's a head tax and all of the history, you know, would be really important for your students to learn, students from all walks of life to learn. These are things that we really traditionally haven't taught in school a lot, right? I never learned when I was in school in history class about the Chinese workers who built the railroad and the uh, Exclusion Act. I never learned about the terrible treatment of Indigenous peoples from the very beginning of colonization. None of these things were part of the curriculum, right? And they would teach you about, oh, you know, Indigenous people used every part of the buffalo and built birch bark canoes, and it seemed very idyllic, and that was all we would be taught, right? At the same time, there's a giant backlash, it seems, going on now about teaching anything about race in school at all, and a real desire to sort of whitewash, for lack of a better word, our history. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing about someone else's, you know, c- cultural history, knowing about um, different perspective benefits everyone, right? As we know, even in the workforce, when we are working with people who are, you know, have a different lived experience than, than, than we, we have lived or we have been raised, we learn something new, right? So I think the back, okay, so, so sometimes it has to do with, with a fear. Oh my goodness. So if you're going to teach about, you know, the Asian history, uh, including, you know, the Exclusion Act and the Japanese internment camps, you can teach about you know, more about the Holocaust, you can teach more about the Indigenous history. Now, the dominant population, like the, the, the white population might feel like, oh, they might feel threatened because now they might have less of a voice. However, if we as a society in this world really believe that learning about diversity, learning about other people's stories can benefit everyone, especially young people, especially young people, right? Because as we know, when in school, when all the you know young people's identities and their stories are acknowledged and appreciated and embraced, like it's we we have more of an, under, an understanding and an acceptance, and and it's a better world. You know, there's research that shows that you know schools that have like GSAs, right? For example, groups, it's not just safer for for students who identify as you know LGBTQ plus. Actually, it's safer for everyone. Because the school right. is more inclusive, the school culture is more safe, and people are more trusting of other people, right? Mm-hmm. So, Eric, it's hard. I mean, it, it's it's tough because you know there is that fear and there's that oh I don't know the other you know you know like I don't want to know because I, I'm afraid to know right. But when people start to be more open to learning and knowing that this world would be a better place, it would be more um, compassionate and and kind and and helpful towards one another. And I think, too, that part of the backlash is that the default history that's been taught for a long time is white history. And for white people, I think it's a form of sort of privilege, I think, to be able to say, well, I don't really want to learn about this other thing because you don't necessarily have to. Right. Growing up in a white household, I didn't have to deal with any of these things. But if I'm, you know, a black student, if I'm an indigenous student, if I'm a Chinese student, 
I do have to deal with all of these things, whether I want to or not. Therefore, strikes me as sort of a willful ignorance, a plausible deniability that you can sort of look away from this sort of thing. I don't really, I got to say, I don't really understand what the backlash is exactly. Uh, it seems to be fomented by a number of people who try to conflate things like critical race theory, which I guess is a legal doctrine for law students, into what they're teaching six-year-olds and, you know, Big Bird getting vaccinated is somehow indoctrinating children, right? I mean, there's a very large conspiracy theory sect online and throughout North America, all of which seems to be interrelated. And all of which sort of leads down a path of white supremacy, whether you start out with your, you know, anti-mask mandate protests, that's kind of where it ends up. I respond to that, you know, and some social media can be a good thing where, like I before we press record, perhaps I said, that's how some of my listeners found my podcast. And social media can be dangerous too. Like when you said conspiracy theory, where something gets released or tweeted out or posted and it gets reposted and it becomes a truth. It becomes, oh, you know, the coronavirus is not real. We don't need to mask, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, vaccines are harmful. You know, the COVID-19 vaccine is, is further harmful. So, yeah, I, I, I think in the most recently, I've been thinking more about, you know, is, is our human, you know, our, our species, are we, are we meant to be competitive? Is, are we meant to like, okay, you know, I, I'm better and I, I need to put you down. I need to, you know, oppress you so that I can have more gains and I can, you know, I can be the, the, the more superhuman, for example. And when I go down that path, I catch myself right. and I ca catch myself and I need to like snap out of it because I really believe in the goodness of people. I really believe in this quote, which up here introduced me, hope is a practice. You know, hope is a practice. Hope is a verb. Love is a verb, right? Mm -hmm. So how, you know, part of this podcast is to infuse some hope, infuse some, you know, some love and, you know, and listeners who may be either really well-versed in, in anti-racism literature or, or listeners who are newer to the concept, I hope they walk away with feeling more hopeful, doing something differently, even just something small or something bigger, right? It could be changing an organizational policy or it could be something smaller, you know, just really listening to some, someone else's explanation about, uh, about something they might not agree with. Anything that's, you know, people can walk away from that can make a little bit of a difference. I think that's, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, it really is. And you, you did mention that uh, some of your listeners are even uh, interview guests have found you via social media, LinkedIn and that sort of thing. Uh, it, how, how do you choose your guests and how have you found most of them? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've got a, yeah, this is a good question as well. So I've got a guest who are my peers, who I went to school with, you know, who did my master's degree, my PhD with, who I, um, I know are practitioners, you know, they're therapists, right? And the, some of the guests I have met through Act and Racism, where we have these presentations and meetings and I hear them talk and I know their contact and I would reach out to them or even sometimes uh, privately messaging them like, oh, you'd be, I'm wondering you, if you'd be open to being a, a guest on my podcast, I would send them information and take a, take a listen. Um, and some guests, as you mentioned, would have heard my podcast and seem to resonate. And then I would then reach out, right? And then also guests would say, oh, Gina, what about 
I have a peer or I have someone I work with or I have someone that may be a, a good uh, fit for your podcast. So that's, it's snowballing that way, you know? Yeah. I've got really, you know, like the diversity of, of, of people. I have young people too. They are in their 20s doing their undergrad degree. You know, in business, for example, or in global studies, or, you know, I've got psychologists, I've got, you know, public servants, former journalists, you know, even current, you know, current podcast hosts. And so, so many different people have said yes to me, Eric, and it's amazing. And I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, I am constantly grateful when a guest agrees to come on this podcast with me. And I think, oh, you know, like, that was way easier than I expected. I think <laughs> I'm going to have to convince them and send a series of follow-up emails and, and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it's been, uh, and we've only been doing this for a year and a half. So uh, we're pretty new as well. And it's been a wonderful experience, just the number of people willing to come on and share their, either their story or their knowledge. Uh, and I think that's what you're doing too, which is terrific. Yeah, I um I didn't think, you know, like I, I knew I had to do something. I, I that that was one of my my call to action is is to is to start a podcast and I I didn't know, of course, we one wouldn't know, you know, where that would lead me, but I'm meeting so many fascinating, intelligent, insightful, you know, self-aware people that um, I can't get enough, Eric. I can't get yeah. enough of, the, of these conversations. And the hour goes by and both me and my guests will say, oh my God, goodness, it's nearing the, you know, like, for example, my, my episodes are about 45 to 55 minutes long on average, right? Mm -hmm. so, you know, so it goes by quick and yeah. we enjoy that time. It's, uh, you know, first it's a little, we're both nervous, a little nerve wracking. We press record and then we talk and then we get immersed and time just goes by, right? Yeah, it, it very much does. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret of what I do uh, here at the CPA. Uh, we have our own professional Zoom account that I would have access to if I wanted, but I still maintain my own free account because if I have two people on at a time, it automatically cuts us off at 40 minutes. And that way I don't have to, uh, you know, I don't end up talking for two hours and having to edit it down to 40 minutes. That way I can just make it a 40 minute episode with two guests. Also <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I, I, I feel like Eric, uh, I, I would have some questions for you with your, your, the background or, and you've done this for an hour and a half, I mean, a year and a half, an hour and a half, a year and yeah. a half already. Right. So yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, you had some peers that you could reach out to to begin this. I, I didn't. I'm not in any way. I don't have a psychological background. Uh, my background is in media. I did morning radio for uh, several years here in Ottawa before joining the CPA. And so all of my colleagues are radio personalities across Canada. <laughs> they, <laughs> also, my colleagues are two dogs who uh, get excited. Yeah. Oh, I love that. But, Eric, you have such a, I'm not surprised, you have such a, a radio presence, your voice. It's, <laughs> well, yeah, it's distinct. <laughs> thank you. It, it worked with it for a while. But this is why I love this uh, format too, is, you know, I did morning radio, which is very short little clips, right? I mean, you talk five minutes, you play a song, you talk. And uh, interviews would have to be over super fast. And you'd have to get all the information out of somebody right up front and try to make sure that it was compelling and then you'd move on. But you never got the full story. And 
even in print journalism, you're writing a story, you're going to cut out three quarters of what you spoke to somebody about at best, maybe even 90% in order to write your article. But a podcast, you can really get the full story. You can get everything that that person has to say, and you can present it to people to listen to whether they want to or not. And it's a format that I love. Yeah, yes. I, I and, I, and I absolutely agree. I like I like the longer time. I like the fuller story, right? And stories are multifaceted too, It's right? So um, I was actually involved with my daughter in 2018. Uh, we started a petition with her friend, uh, uh, change.org petition to petition Starbucks to make a better cup. You can probably find it. <laughs> so the cups are not recyclable. There's plastic, there's wax. So we actually was, we were flown to Seattle to meet uh, the CEO, Kevin Johnson of Starbucks. Oh. Yes. So anyhow, all those media interviews, you know, it's snippets. It's like one minute or two minutes. So it, it, it cuts off something. For example, Maya would say, I started this petition because my mommy goes to Starbucks all the time. And, and she also said, mommy brings a reusable cup. But they, they didn't even include that. They just cut that out. All we heard, they heard Maya say is, mommy goes to Starbucks all the time, cutting out. That's absolutely not the full story. Right. <laughs> Or the message that you want to convey. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Because she wanted to say she uses a reusable cup, which is very important, everybody. Bring your own cup, right? And then unfortunately, with this pandemic, people can't bring their own cups anymore. And I haven't gone to Starbucks in a while. But anyhow, yeah, I, I, I think I've, we've, I've had some experience with the media. And they, they can be amazing. And they can also maybe cut things out that should be left in. Now, talk to me a little bit about the pandemic how has it affected you i mean obviously you started this in the middle of it and everyone's a lot more used to zoom calls which does make it easier i find to interview people in this format because people are used to it but in terms of your practice and in terms of just your regular life how has it affected you uh you said you're seeing more asian clients than you had previously uh mm. is that as a result of the pandemic um but maybe I'll, yeah i'll answer the question in, in a few different ways so in terms of the you know, remote work, working from home. So it was interesting. March 12th was my last day in-person teaching at the University of Calgary. It was actually the last day of my course, the diversity and learning course. Uh, I taught the, uh, the Bachelor of Education students. So after that, it was, oh my gosh, I need to buy a monitor. I need to, you know, get keyboard. I need a keyboard and get, you know, a mouse that works so that I can work from home, right? Because I was very used to out in the university, in the coffee shops. And so that was a big change. And then with Athabasca University, we, we, we are a blended learning program, so mostly online, but we also have a summer institute where we're in person, but we had to cancel that. We ha we do, we're doing everything online right now. And then my private practice, it was August of 2020. My phone started ringing. My email started to, you know, to pile up with people looking for, for therapy, for psychological services. And, and a part of it, a part of the, the client group were Asians and they were, you know, it's more pandemic related, Eric, more like, oh, I might lose my job or people have been laid off and I'm taking on a lot of, you know, more different um, roles at work. I'm, you know, I'm living at home with my partner and we're driving each other nuts <laughs> or, you know, my children are being, uh, having to do remote learning. Like it started with that, right? Yeah. Some of the sessions and then it would expand to, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm being more aware of the anti-Asian racism. I'm hearing more microaggressions. It's becoming more noticeable. I've noticed it, it, is, it is a microaggression or it is not okay. Or it's, or I, I've been treated like some clients have been spit on, punched, 
you know, out in public, like yeah. physically, right? It, it's dangerous. They, they don't feel safe being on transit. They don't feel safe walking in a park, for example. They don't feel safe as a nurse, for example, at their place of work. Anyhow, so um, as this, I see clients for several sessions, these stories unfold, right? Yeah. There's embarrassment, there's shame, but there's also anger. There's also fierceness. There's also, that is not okay. Now, you know, is it safe in my place of work to say something? If it is, if people will listen, what can I say, Gina? You know, can we talk about that? Or how can I feel safe for leaving my house? How can I be more prepared? Or, or you know, or how, why, why is the world, what, what's going on? Why, why it's, what's going on with, you know, like globally, how, Asians are being blamed, you know, for this, for this virus, right? So those topics come to the fore after the initial sessions. And then also, I also see clients who are not Asian and, and you know, clients who are, you know, they identify as a Black Canadian or, or some of them are, are white and Caucasian clients who come to me for similar topics, but not necessarily about racism, but maybe it's about um, wanting to be an ally too, right? right. Or, they, or they seek me out, they say, Gina, I don't want to see a white therapist. I, I sought you out because I, I, I resonate with what you're doing and I want to learn more. How can I be an ally? How can I be, you know, more supportive, right? And how, and men who want to be feminists, like I want to, I, I want to become more of a feminist. I really believe in that. It's amazing, Eric. I've got that, amazing clients. <laughs> well, that is amazing. And that's terrific. And you said that every one of your podcast episodes ends with some real world advice. Do you take some of that advice from your guests on the podcast and provide that to the clients who do want to become allies, who do want to do more in this space? Mm hmm. Actually, it's more the other way around. So my my um my clients, most of them know about my podcast because I have it on my email signature. And sometimes I would introduce it to them if they bring something to the session like Gina, I'm experiencing right microaggressions, I'm experiencing racism or or there's internalized racism, for example. If I hear those themes, that's when I tell you, oh, you know what? That's very, it's interesting because I'm hosting a podcast about some of these topics, right? right? And then they would go listen to my podcast and then they will bring in the session. I heard so-and-so say this, and this is how it's impacting me. This is how it's helping me. And they just, my clients, I think they're my most loyal listeners, I think, yeah. <laughs> some of them, because they would bring it into the session, right? Which I'm, I'm going to write about. I'm, I need to publish something about those moments. So, and on the uh, additional side, like some of my clients who are not racialized, they would introduce a book like Bell Hooks, Bell Hooks book to me, all about love. She's a, you know, a black American writer, an activist, amazing, right? So they would teach me, they would, uh, another client introduced bra uh, Braiding Sweetgrass, you know, by another American author who is an indigenous individual. So it's really neat how they would listen to my podcast and or they know how I, my, my social locations. So they know that I might be interested in these books or in the, these other podcasts, you know, and then they would share them with me and I would go, you know, immediately to make sure I'd look it up, save it, start to listen to it or start to read the books that they recommend to me. So, so maybe not so much, oh, here's some calls to action from my listeners. Why don't you do that? Not so much that, but, but more so they tell me what they have learned from the podcast and then we go from there. If that makes sense. Yeah. You're the second podcast that we featured here on Mindful. And the first one was, is a child psychology podcast created by three women in Ottawa, child psychologists, Jennifer, Lila, and Mary, who 
filled up, their practices filled up. They had no more room for anybody else. And they thought, how can we get the most of this message out to the most people that we can when we know that there's a huge waiting list for all kinds of psychological help uh, here in this city. And so they decided they would start this podcast to deal with a lot of the issues that came up in their individual sessions. Is that something that you see your podcast doing, being able to reach more people than you could as just an individual therapist taking on as many clients as possible until you your calendar was full? You know what? Um, now that you're asking me this question, I think absolutely, you know, going back to what I just shared, right? The clients listen to the podcast and they're getting pieces, snippets of, um, of um, one client said, Gina, your podcast is very educational. Like she's learning about history. She's learning about, you know, these terms. She's learning about, oh, this is what, what happened to me or this is, it is happening to me. And, and, and how can, you know, how can I, uh, what can I do that can make a difference, right? So, so yes. And also my, my practice is, is, is building up is great. You know, I love, I love uh, individual therapy and there needs to be some systemic changes, right? Uh, so a part of my volunteerism with Active and Racism is to, of course, I, I do talk about my podcast a little bit, but to also support, for example, movements such as we want inclusive education. You know, there are some policy briefs, you know, how how, how to make our our education more anti-racist, you know, how to, with, with policing, you know, what, what are some ideas in terms of how, what racialized people may experience with the police, you know, all, and I would maybe do some editing, doing some, you know, with my own mental health background to add to some of the literature. So there's multiple um, other areas of my life that uh, with this podcast and my experiences, I can infuse, right? Private practice, volunteerism, activism, um, talking to my peers, talking to my children. So it's been incredible. And, I, and I'm, I'm so excited. I think more, more opportunities will come up, you know, even today, right? Like being here with you, Eric, that's, that's um, it's an honor to be here. One of the best things we can do is highlight work like the, the work that you're doing. People are overwhelmed and it's great to have somewhere where you can go, especially, you know, when you get to learn something, something educational. That's terrific. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know what, too? It's not all really heavy and, and anger provoking. It's actually, we laugh. We, you know, it, my, my guests and I do have these light moments where we do laugh and we, you know, we share stories back and forth. And sometimes, you know, people might think, oh my goodness, a podcast about racism is going to be really heavy and difficult. It, some moments could be heavy. And there are some moments where there's, there's you know, again, um, important learning and light moments where there's laughter as well. So I think there has to be, right? I mean, that's the... <laughs> Otherwise, it would be very, very depressing and people come back <laughs> for another episode, maybe, but... Uh, right. There'll be no clients listening to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, that's so great. And I'm so glad that you're doing it. And I'm so glad you took the time to speak with me today about it. So thank you. Well, thank you, Eric. Again, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And I, and I, uh, and I hope the listeners will walk away with, ah, with um, some, some new ideas, some, some insights and some learning. And please, uh, again, against, uh, racismpodcast.com is where you can find the podcast. 
And this is our final episode of season four of Mindful. And so what I assume is that people are going to be listening all the way through this season and they've subscribed and they're going to be very, very depressed that this podcast is going away for a few more months. And they're going to think, what can I listen to now? And this is where we leave them with the Against the Tides of Racism podcast, which could be your next binge uh, once Mindful is done for the season. So uh, I hope that people do that. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) This concludes the fourth season of Mindful podcast of the Canadian Psychological Association. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, sharing, liking, and rating the show. If you want Against the Tides of Racism to be your next podcast binge, the link to it is in the show notes and it is also available on Spotify. I'll see you all for our next season in February where we'll be showcasing the breadth of psychology. Well, as best we can in a few podcast episodes, uh, it's a pretty big subject. As always, Mindful is hosted, written, produced, and edited by me, Eric Bowman. Our theme music is Avenues by David Taylor. 